So hi everyone, Anthony Taylor from SME Strategy. I'm here with Alexa Petoulis, who is a change management consultant um, here in, in Vancouver and also works across North America. Alexa, how's it going today? Great, thanks for having me, Anthony. It's my sincere pleasure. So I appreciate you uh, coming on to our podcast here and, and sharing with some folks some of the uh, some of your experiences being in, in change management and working with different types of organizations. Do you want to tell people just a little bit about yourself to get acquainted? Sure, sounds great. Um, I, I I come from about seventeen plus years working in federal government, nonprofit, and private sector, uh, really leading teams. And uh, I kind of when I went back to school and did my MBA about five years ago, I woke up and and realized that I had actually been in the organizational development, change management sphere for most of my career. And so um, a good so a lot of the work and the the sort of my core skill set revolves around. Uh, leading change in organizations, which is has to do with culture, but also startup growth phase, um, downsizing, um, uh, any type of movement, really. Uh, and of course, uh, really important through all of those processes is where we're we going, why are we here, uh, strategic questions. Well, you know, I love my, my strategic questions. So, um, <laughs> And so what have you been working on recently? Any, I know we chatted a little bit about sort of before this interview, but um, what, what's a big project that's been keeping you busy most recently? Um, most recently, um, I've been working, I, uh, I worked with a team at uh, Open Media, which is an, an international digital um, uh, organization that works in the space of online digital rights advocacy. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there, I was really there to lead that group, that team out of a startup phase and also to assist with the leadership transition. Um, but really, uh, yeah, pretty rapid growth, especially for the nonprofit sector over a very short period of time. Awesome. Are you able to share some of the, I mean, without, you know, breaking confidentiality or any, some of the results or like from where we, where you guys ended up by the time, uh, at the end of it? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the really interesting things about open media that attracted me is they, they were, they, they have a really interesting set of core uh, principles, operating principles. Uh, a few of them are which are transparency and collaboration. And so as part of the process of our growth process and leadership transition and strategic planning process, uh, we were really, we really tried to share that externally as much and as often as we could uh, with the community that we were we were growing and that that we considered to be our sort of member community members. Um, and so at the Open Media website, openmedia.org, there is a series of blogs called Under the Hood series that actually goes through um, trying to give like that kind of under the hood feel because I think sometimes we we we're, we're hesitant to share the messy details of of how stuff needs to happen and how, where the shifts and the tensions come up when you're trying to shift culture, grow organizations, um, and serve customers and communities. Cool. So like, I mean, to that point, what sort of things, I think you, you, you touched on it, but what sort of things do mm-hmm. you personally, and then, you know, with the last organization that you're working with, um, do to develop and, and foster culture? Because we both know that, and I know everybody else on the podcast knows that, you know, you can really drive results by doing culture, but what does developing culture really mean from a, from a tactical perspective? Yeah, for me, my philosophy is to really start by making culture visible. And so that's explicitly talking about it. And depending on the size of your organization, that can look like in different ways. The team I was working with was sort of 12 to 20 at any given time. Um, And so we had 
full team sessions where we explicitly ask questions such as, you know, what do we as an organization, as a team, give status to here? Um, which is a really interesting question when you get into it. And then the, the flip side is like, what are our taboos? Like, what are these sort of implicit or explicit norms that this group has? And name them. And some things that come up aren't always things that people want. For example, open media, and this was something we definitely talked about and openly, is we had, we were really working with a, you know, a young group that was working flat out near burnout at, at oftentimes, which is not unusual for startups, right? So um, one of the things that as we were shifting and kind of maturing as an organization, we're like, how do we bring that capacity into check and really care about the well-being of people so that they can be doing the highest quality of work at any every given moment? Um, and yet when we sat down, we talk about culture, um, we were still giving status to people working really long hours. Um, and so that was like an opportunity to have a discussion about, okay, so we say we want to do this and this is our culture and everyone has this nice work-life balance, but yet um, the people who stay late or work on the weekends still have this status sort of um, uh, rank accorded to them. Um, so yeah, that's one way. The other way we worked at was developing team agreements that we actually had like printed on a massive um, poster sticky on the wall right in our main office. Um, and you know, those shifted and changed. And then every time we hired somebody new, we had a pretty interesting process of like bringing them on board and talk, talking about what those team agreements meant to us. Um, uh, and so that, you know, those are a couple of simple ways that I think we kind of get missed often. Excellent. I totally get that. Um, one of the ways that we talk about at SME strategy is, is we talk about, you know, you're, you're uh, talking the talk and then you're walking the walk, but then what are you actually rewarding? Are you rewarding the, the right behaviors that you want or are you rewarding something else that's sort of against the, the, cult or the cultures and the values that you've basically said, this is important, but you're not really uh, rewarding the right things. So that's really absolutely, absolutely. And I would just add to that. I think for my philosophy as a manager and a leader within organizations is always to be thinking about how am I building the capabilities of the people in this organization? Um, uh, you know, so that they can go out and do their best work and serve whoever we're serving, but not even just in their work life at home life. And part of that is core is just is communication and, um, and, getting people well-versed and practiced in managing conf uh, conflict effectively and actually embracing conflict as a way of bringing a diversity and different perspectives to the table. Um, I, I believe that the, the strongest teams, the most creative and innovative teams are the ones that have the highest degree of diversity in terms of perspectives, um, religions, maybe whatever types of, however you want to define diversity. Um, but often that also involves really needing skills to be able to talk about and, and have, uh, and how to build the understanding for, for each one and the different perspectives that, that people bring. Yeah, I totally get that. Like, and I 100% agree. So, um, I mean, you alluded to it a little bit with, uh, you know, the team agreements, the culture, communication, and then conflict and, and sort of bringing in diversity. But what are some of the other best practices you would share um, for leading strategy and leading teams? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, strategy. Well, to, to speak to an example, um, and this is not, I mean, I, I, I tell this story not from a pointing a finger that anything's bad. I think that it's just normal evolution in organizations. But when I did arrive at Open Media, um, there was a strategy, a strategic note. Um, but unfortunately, it had only been developed by about two people in the organization. And to my sort of like when I kept asking people about it, really nobody else on the team was connected to it, had read it, was involved in the process to create it, and definitely was not using it or referencing it in their day-to-day work as they were actioning all these things. Um, So that got me really on the train of um, taking a big step back and slowing the strategic planning process down. Um, I really come from a place, and again, this looks differently in different size organizations, but fundamentally believe that people... um, People, uh, <clears throat> all people need to be involved in the strategic planning process and to some extent. Uh, so my process was to really slow it down, bring the whole team together in varying things. Sometimes it can be in smaller working groups around, you know, organized around buyer groups, unique buyer modes, depending on your business structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there needs to be, ultimately for me, strate- strategy is about, it, it's really a process that needs to be alive. And in order for it to be alive, that like the whole the whole point of doing a strategic planning process, in my mind, in my view, is to um, to really energize and motivate every single person in the organization on the team, so that they are they can see clearly what they're contributing in their day to day tasks and where and how that's contributing to what they're trying to uh, the value they're trying to create for their customers, their community, their buyers, their their stakeholders. Um, so for me, it's really much more about the process. Um, and you know, to me, if it's going to be a, just a plan and a document at the end of the day that gets shelves, then that's a, really a waste of time. Yeah, absolutely, I totally get that. So yeah, you definitely touched on that. You know, the communication piece and and getting everybody you know on board, aligned on the same page, and um, just getting everybody communicating top down, bottom <laughs> up, and making sure everybody knows like where you're going. Is is that basically what you were saying? Anything I, I might have missed? Uh- no, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's that strategic alignment. I think a strategy, a strategic planning process, re- does first step requires like a really clear corporate direction. Um, and I'm kind of moving away. This is where I say that my thinking's a bit evolving. I'm moving away from vision, traditional vision, mission. Not that they're, they're bad, and but they're they're not often that fantastic, to be honest. Um, and so corporate direction uh, in, in sort of how I'm understanding it is, is, is sort of counterintuitive. It's actually based on looking a little bit inside into trying to ask the questions about the business of like, what is the core value that we are bringing to then be able to image out to our, our customers, our clients, our patients, how we are adding value to their lives. Yeah, I totally And agree. having that very, very clear because that will lead your strategy. And so I, I mean, I'm kind of a heavy on the corporate direction and kind of the process and less, I really believe that like less is more when it comes to strategy and getting really, I think that you absolutely need to have very concrete, um, uh, goals, but more based on, on, on everyone being in alignment about like imaging, what is the value that they're creating? Um, and then like, uh, Oh, I'm losing my, <clears throat> my train here, but, um, 
yeah, but giving a bit more ownership over the actual details of how the strategy gets implemented. So if we're talking about cascading strategy over to the people who are in the jobs who know it best. Yeah. Okay. I get that. So, um, I have like two questions and, and they would probably tie together as in your job as a, you know, change manager. But one of them is, you know, really building on your last thought was how do you align strategy and performance? And then I guess the, the other side of it, what are some of the risks to avoid when you're, you're going through that implementation phase and, uh, and the strategy and the actual execution? So maybe that's like really two questions. So approach them however you feel. Uh, okay. Um, so strategy and performance. Well, yeah, they're very, but they are connected. So thank you. <laughs> Good ones. Um, well, I think that speaks to just the strategy. I mean, and I mean, this is the uniqueness of any organization. I really don't do the same process twice. I design for what is in front of me for the people and the business lines and the, or the services, um, and, and what the needs are, um, and keeping it alive. I think at open media, just to use a specific example, um, we made a commitment that the strategy, the strategic note was going to be a living document. We even we worked exclusively in Google Docs, so things could change at any given moment with the teams. All the teams, uh, after we had done the organization-wide strategic note where we articulated five clear goals um, and some specific actions under each of those, each team, each functional area went, went away and developed their own um, their own sort of that like micro strategies that fed up into those. But, um, the, the really interesting piece around it was that we made a commitment to have quarterly check-ins on, on those strategies. Um, and we tried to do it in a very living way about sort of seeing what was moving, um, and really sort of celebrating the success and celebrating what, but also asking like, um, this is where the strategy comes alive. Like what's shifted, what shifted for our community, what shifted in the legislative policy environment? Like, where are we going? What needs to be adjusted? So we're not just blindly following, you know, a set of goals and action items or priorities that we set six months back, but that were ever sort of requiring a thoughtful, critical thinking process around, okay, does this still make sense? Is this still aligned to where we're going or and what adjustments are needed? So I think that to me, um, I think that that avoids some of the risks in implementation um, and really does keep the, the strategy aligned. But plus also just a really beautiful way of like bringing the teams and your uh, together to to reflect and like really own what they have accomplished um, for their communities, customers, um, patients, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just making sure if paraphrasing, uh, keeping the strategy and the plan and the execution at top of mind at all times. And so everybody knows, you know, whatever vernacular you're going to use, the, the vision or the direction or the plan that everybody knows, you know, here's where we are now, here's where we're going, but it's not like a, a yearly sort of exercise. It's really, you know, part of, part of who you are as the organization. It's part, it really becomes part of your culture, right? Absolutely. And, you know, like just to give a fun example, because I also believe strategy, and this is, I think you talked about this at the very beginning when we were talking about, um, the walking the talk. Um, if, for example, you know, a lot of, I think businesses are often built on caring for 
whoever clients they're trying to serve and you're really trying to contribute value to somebody else's life. And so in that model of walking the talk is really important to be developing and caring for the people that are in your business, in your organization, your team. Um, so I do think the strategy also has to have those bits that <clears throat> talk about how we're walking the talk internally. Um, so that was a long segue to get into a bit of a story from open media where, um, again, kind of really speaking to the startup phase that we were in, we had one of our strategic goals was to, uh, we basically like, like get our house in order was what we called it. And so there's a few things that fell under there, but one of the things was around keeping personal people's personal workload capacity in check and all sorts of strategies that we were and discussions we were having as a team about, about how we organized our work, what we said yes to, to do that. Um, and one of the fun things that we did is we, we, called we ended up having kind of like a, a motto and a mascot called the capacity elephant that we really played with but also be, made it become that whole goal become really a living conversation we got a couple of different sized elephant stuffies that were like thrown around the office um we had yeah we had just like images of elephants everywhere we used um slack as like an im messaging thing and we had sort of the auto auto bot train to if anyone said capacity it would pop up this huge picture of a gif of a capacity with a, an elephant with this capacity word written on it. So I don't know, I say be, be playful, like find ways that are aligned with your culture and your business and what you're trying to do that um, bring the strategy to life. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a traditional form. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, any other sort of risks to avoid in the planning process? I think you sort of encapsulated with some, some structure on how to, you know, really bring up the stuff at the forefront and be, honest and, and transparent with you know this is really where we're at and this is a real issue so we need to address it and you know it's the elephant in the room literally and figuratively in your case with, yeah. with capacity but um, any other risks to avoid in the planning process that that might hold a team back from you know just making their plan and then trying to sort of set it and forget it yeah, I mean, I don't know this if this is the type of risk that you're thinking of. Um, I know for me and sort of my approach, my principles is I really, I, I always try to design, <clears throat> keeping in mind, asking, um, moving the team away from existence-based thinking. Um, because you're trying to, you know, usually as a business owner or organization, you're trying to move something, you're trying to do more, grow more, get more sales, you know, move, you know, again, like create more value out there in the world. Um, and I think that there's often sort of off the shelf tools that really get us stuck in, in thinking only in existence and we can't get to thinking in terms of the potential, um, and, and visualizing. And, and so then I don't, yeah. So I guess the risk in that, in sort of the existence-based thinking is that it's really hard to imagine and feel the will and energy motivated to trying to create something that's bigger than what we can already see. Got it. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that and, and resonate with it. I mean, that's why I, I find a, a vision, a really, really powerful vision um, that is inspiring enough to get everybody bought into. And then also keeping in mind that just because, you know, your past is your past and, and that's how you got to where you are now. 
But if you really want to take that next step or that next leap or whatever it is to you, that you need to take different behaviors, make different behaviors, take different actions that are in line with that sort of mm-hmm. desired future. And I think that not only applies on the organizational side, but, you know, as you and I as professionals and, and everybody else listening to this podcast, you know, that's if you're a manager now and you want to be an exceptional manager or even more exceptional, that you need to take different behaviors to to sort of level yourself up and, and take yourself to to a new new existence, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. So that that is really fundamental. You you know you you kind of reflected that back really nicely. But so like really core to a lot of the work I do and I talk about is is building um, is really trying to build the capabilities of managers and you know and leadership teams through and because I don't think. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not, I'm on a learning journey too, but I know that I'm more engaged when I'm learning and using and getting challenged to, to keep thinking in, um, in more critical ways and, and sort of pushing, pushing my learning edge. So, um, yeah, those are skills I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how to develop. Awesome. And, and so, I mean, this might be another perfect, you're so good at our transitions here, but um, as a final question for today, um, is there anything else that you would recommend to a CEO or a manager who's responsible for, you know, leading strategy, leading people or leading change? Yeah, I think, you know, I've got two books. Is it okay to make book recommendations here? Absolutely. <laughs> Even if they're your own book. There's two there's two books that are top of mind this this last two weeks and one is called um uh on average and the other one is called uh, Wired to Care. And both speak to I'm really playing in the, the idea of a paradigm shift around um how we build businesses. Um and again it kind of speaks to um the wired to care uh like fundamental belief that I think most organizations and businesses arise because of, again, trying to provide value. So in your strategy process, in your, your corporate direction setting, get to that place where you're visualizing in very concrete terms, who are your buyer groups, you know, in a very unique sense. Um, and, uh, cause I think when we can connect humans to humans and maybe it's not humans like in, there's lots of businesses that are actually contributing value to you know different ecosystems or or um you know, yeah other things that are not necessarily humans but um being able to actually image there's a fantastic uh, story um in in one of these books that sort of speaks to um uh, a gaming industry example that we probably don't have time to go into, but yeah, I guess I'll leave it there. Anyways, fundamental is some really interesting thought process around how to shift how you're visioning what your consumers, what your customers are. Perfect, and I'll be sure to take out, uh, put a link to those books um, in the in the sort of show notes so that anybody who's oh, interested great. in learning more about that can uh, can get access to it. So. Uh, I've been chatting with Alexa Petulis. Thank you so much, Alexa. Is there, uh, can you tell people how they can uh, get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you or learn more about your process? Sure. I and mean, you could definitely find me on LinkedIn or just Alexa Petulis at gmail.com works. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time today. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Anthony. Have a great day. You too. Bye.